0: Thank you, and thank you, Steve, for including that uh, great hymn. Uh, you can blame that. You know, they, uh, There's a new song out, a new country song that you may hear me uh, use in the coming weeks. It's called Blame It on Jesus. But uh, today you can blame that song on, I think Mark is, I saw Mark. I think Mark is the one who sent me the video clip about the, uh, this being the anniversary of Amazing Grace. And um, I, I played, I toyed with whether I should play it for you or not. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and play it for you, but so we can, because it's a little bit of a long video. But I think it's very important. Those of you who know I'm a history history buff that know the history of that song. But if you didn't pick up a communion cup, we're going to share the Lord's Supper today. If I could ask any of the ushers that are in the back that can hear me, uh, raise your hand, and uh, if you need one of these, and we will get one to you. Anybody that didn't get one, okay? I see a couple. Saul's going to pick those up. So if you and Royce are for now, I know whoever's ever will hit the video. Uh, we're gonna watch this little background on this amazing song, "Amazing Grace."
1: Amazing
0: That's Elvis, isn't it? How sweet bring the, down. Thank the you.
1: Sound How sweet the sound of that traditional hymn, "Amazing Grace." Ramey and Ascencio recounts the amazing story behind its inspiring lyrics. Sun. Sung an estimated 10 million times each year, Amazing Grace marks its 250th anniversary this New Year's Day. Its birth, not of American black spirituals as some believe, but across the Atlantic, here in the tiny English market town of Olney, some 60 miles north of London. What's it like being ground zero for where Amazing Grace actually started? Well, it's quite, I was going to say amazing, but it it is quite amazing because... Music um, journalist Steve Turner wrote the book on the famous song. Its lyrics older than the Declaration of Independence. Why do you think Amazing Grace was ultimately so enduring? I think
2: it's because, um, You know, I was lost and now I'm found, I was blind and now I see. I mean, it's an experience most people can relate
1: to. Those words are life reflections of John Newton. He became the captain of a slave ship, so that's when he started trading. A slave trader who nearly died in a shipwreck, he became a minister, then later an abolitionist. He penned a sermon for his New Year service at the Church of St. Peter and St. Paul. The famous words of Amazing Grace were written on a frosty December day much like this, but the tune, that wouldn't be written for more than half a century later. This is what we might have heard on that first morning of 1773. One of several earliest known tunes paired to his words, But for several decades, no one melody was consistently linked to Amazing Grace, until... It caught
2: the imagination of of America. Amazing Grace is, in a sense, the story of starting this new life and going through toils and snares. In
1: 1835, an American Baptist published the Southern Harmony Hymnbook with a song at the time titled New Britain. Its use of shape notes, triangles, Ovals, circles, and squares made it easier for the masses to read. It spread to the deep south, the enslavers and the enslaved.
2: The slaves were made to go to the churches of the you
1: know the landowners. And they thought this also applies to us
2: which they took very much to heart because they knew what it was like, in a very real way, to to be in exile.
1: By the 20th century, Amazing Grace became more closely tied to black spirituals than the civil rights movement. And then in 1970, as antipathy toward the Vietnam War peaked, folk singer Judy Collins' raw rendition marked a rebirth.
2: Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. When I looked at all the songs that I could find that had ever been recorded, like 90,
1: 95% were post Judy Collins. (laughs) Amazing Grace is a song of hope and healing
2: lost,
0: now I'm it has a feeling about you know surviving terrible things but it gives you a moment of hope sometimes that's all we need isn't it
1: I the song has since emerged time and again in national grief and crisis. How sweet the sound. Including during the COVID lockdown, a priest played Collins's original for doctors toiling at a London hospital. Inspired, Collins released a new interpretation, a virtual choir of 1,000 international singers. <laughs>
0: I'll sing it anywhere I can get a chance.
1: How about a chance right now?
0: Well, I'll sing you
2: one line. Amazing Grace. That's all I'll sing.
1: I'll give you a taster.
2: Amazing
1: Grace. From a little town in England, Amazing Grace is now renowned around the world. And even above it. John Newton would never have imagined. His grave is right outside. How do you think the man would think about his words having gone global now? I think he'd
2: be really pleased. There are not many songs in the world that last 250 years.
0: Thank you for uh, indulging me as we played what some of you may have already seen on TV. I thought that was a wonderful summary of that great hymn. I have been a John Newton fan uh, for a long time. Um, Those of you who know anything about his history, uh, he identifies more with the prodigal son in the Bible than about anybody else. His mother wanted him to be a minister. Uh, He did not want to be. He chose the life of... uh, sailing as his father but um, actually found himself uh, working in a field much like the prodigal son living in rags when he finally uh, was able to hire on with a slave ship and as you know that story uh... he was in a, a shipwreck uh, almost lost at sea and, and uh, had a conversion experience wrote this song that still uh... communicates to us he came back he married if you know more of newton's uh, life he came back married Went to seminary, uh, finally was uh, ordained by uh, the Church of England, and uh, was greatly influenced by those Methodist boys, uh, the Wesley Wesley boys, and uh, helped uh, start the whole movement too in England and of course spreading across the United States on anti- abolishment of slavery. Um, He preached, as they said when he was a young man, wherever he could find an open area. They said he was known for preaching in empty halls, empty barns, wherever he could get people to come out and listen to him. They would listen to the crazy old ship captain. And towards the end of his life, when someone said, you should really stop preaching, you're almost too old, what do you have left to say? And I quote this. He said, my memory is nearly gone. Can you relate? Amen. Amen. But I remember two things, that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great Savior. So with amazing grace, I once was blind and now I see as a backdrop, let us consider amazing grace, amazing light. And if you have your Bibles, I would ask you to turn with me please to John, the ninth chapter We're picking up where we continue on. It's taken us a year to get through the first eight chapters of John. And today uh, we pick up on just the beginning of this miracle when he, you know, spoiler alert, he helps a blind man be able to see. He restores his sight. Verse 1, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Would you pray with me please? And I know Dan is going to probably remind us at the end, pray for Roger Strahan. He's in the hospital today. Moon came and wanted to remind us to pray for him. Uh, He's been dealing with cancer about seven years and they are now trying to make him comfortable. And uh, he made Nancy call me to tell me he wouldn't be in church. And I mean, what a trooper. So pray for Roger. Pray also for Bobby uh, Bobby Fernandez. Uh, Hector had a mild heart attack last week, and he's now recovering, but Bobby is still in the hospital. Pray for them. So let's remember those as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I know that there are many that uh, cannot be with us today, some in the hospital. We lift up especially Roger and Bobby, and we pray for their families that tend to them and all the medical staff that bring healing to them. And Lord, we would pray that you would restore their health. However, Lord, if that is not your will, we pray that we would be able to understand it and accept it and be able to say, praise be to God, you are the light of the world. Today, we'd ask you to speak to us about pain to help us to find the solution for our pain because we follow the light of Christ Jesus. And we pray that that light would be reflected in us Speak to us in this hour, for I ask it in the name of Jesus, the light of the world. Amen. Well, as I said, spoiler alert, he will restore the man's sight, but we're only going to deal with the first five verses of this section of Scripture. And this miracle could be a standalone. In fact, commentators argue over its timing, its placement. It obviously comes at the end of the Feast of the Tabernacles. Remember, we've been talking about the Feast of the Tabernacles far longer than that one-week celebration. We've been talking about it for months. But if you know anything about the Feast of Tabernacles, it has an influence on light. So easy you can make the connection that Jesus says, pulling from what they've just celebrated, I am the light of the world. But I also see in it the mastery of the Gospel of John. And the mastery of how God would inspire John to write about his son and who his son is and will be and who he has become for us as our Savior. Go back with me, please, just for a second to John, the first chapter, verse 5. And see if you don't see foreshadowing of the verses we have today. Verse 5, he says, this is John writing of Jesus, in him was life and that life was the light of men, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The Pharisees were spiritually blind. But this man, who had been blind from birth, in fact, this is the first time we've encountered anybody in the Gospel of John that has had their affirmity, their need for Jesus as in a healing from birth. This man has been blind from birth. And that brings me to our first point. The problem of pain. Yes, I borrowed that line. Those of you who are great readers, C.S. Lewis has a book, Problem of Pain. And in his classic book, he deals with how Christians, how faithful followers of our Savior, how we struggle sometimes that a loving God could allow bad things or that we would experience tragedy, loss, illness in our lives. Faithful followers have faced that problem for years. We ask, why me when we get an illness? Why now when something happens? What did I do? Why won't you fix me, God? Why won't you heal me? And with that, and as you're trying to understand these disciples, you're going to ask a question. Look at this Old Testament verse. Uh, the writers Moses, has been writing about God. He says, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generations. So with this type of Old Testament scripture that has undoubtedly been read over and over, the disciples have this taught into them, if you will, drilled into them, that illness... That infirmity, that handicap, if you use that term, disabilities, are from sin. In fact, rabbis taught that. They even talked about the sin that could happen within the mother's womb. And Jesus quickly tells them it's not his sin and it's not his parents' sin that have caused the blindness. In fact, he says we will use this as a way to reveal who God is. We blame sin for our sicknesses. We blame God for our illnesses. And if you want to, as some commentators would remind you, and I would remind you, thanks to original sin, there is death and suffering in this world. Had we not had original sin of Adam and Eve, we would have had life everlasting from the beginning. But now we have this opportunity through Christ Jesus to restore that broken relationship and... Jesus is trying to work with the disciples and change their way of thinking Jesus sees this man born blind and looks at him with compassion but the disciples see this man born blind and enter a theological discussion and I wonder how many times church members are just like those disciples Jesus sees the need and gets involved. Sometimes churches see the need and discuss, debate, multiple business meetings. Nothing wrong with any of our business meetings. But we labor. Why? How should we? Why couldn't we? How much does it cost instead of getting involved in bringing compassion and help to the problem? When you have experienced pain, Ask yourself, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual, do you turn to God or do you turn away from Him? Hold that thought because it's easy to say an answer right now. It's sometimes harder to live it out when it's happening to you. C.S. Lewis, who wrote that book in the 1940s, The Problem of Pain, and I would encourage you... Dan and I were talking about it. Dan, whoever comes to my office gets a little bit of a pre-brief. It used to be Norris for Sunday after Sunday, and Norris and I would talk about the TV preacher, and often Norris would get me on another track, and I'd be thinking about something else, and that's good too. But I told Dan, somewhere it's in my office, so I'll try to dig it up if somebody wants to read that book. But he wrote that in about 1940. But in the late 50s, he marries a lady named Helen uh, Joy, and I I can remember her last name, Davidman. Helen Joy Davidman, and as uh, her name implied, she was the joy of his life. Um, But three years later, she would tragically die from an illness. And it would send this great theologian, this great teacher, this great writer into a dark place. So much that he wrote about a year after she died. Meanwhile, I quote, Meanwhile, where is God? He felt like God had shut the door on him and double-bolted it to where he could not get in. He said, God, why are you silent if you're there at all? This is this great, you know, man who has influenced so many of us. And he was struggling just like you and I do with why me, why now? What did she do and why wouldn't you have fixed it? But C.S. Lewis did not give up he would conclude at times that even if I felt like there was no light shining through the windows of my heart I realized that Christ was always the true light and only that by staying faithful to him trusting in his promises of glory would I ever find comfort that amazing grace and I quote this he said I believe in Christianity, that is, you know, following Christ, as I believe that the Son, as SNU, has risen. Not only because I see it, but because I see everything else. In other words, he had lived long enough to understand God's influence on everything. So the answer to our problem of pain is the solution of light. If you ever had the pleasure of being stationed overseas in the military and watched Armed Forces Network, the commercials that they prepare, well, they're, let's just say, basic. Armed Forces Network, if you know anything about that, we get from CBS, ABC, and NBC uh, TV shows, usually a year or two later, And you don't get the commercials because then they'd have to pay somebody to get those commercials. So they make their own commercials. And my kids, in fact, I had to call Nicholas this morning. I said, I knew there was one that, because I knew I had this other one that I wanted to tell you about. I said, but what was the one that you guys used to always make fun of? It's a a mom where the husband's deployed and everything has gone wrong and uh, the son comes home and goes... Whatever you say, Mom, and he throws his backpack down, you know. And I know none of your kids have ever done that to you when your husband or wife was away. And then, of course, it shows it later on with if you understand and everything's happy and so forth. But the one I wanted to tell you about is that alarm goes off and you can see that the alarm clock flashing, and the guy hits it. I mean, that's all you see is the alarm clock flashing. He hits it, and the light gets dimmer, and he gets up, and you hear him stumbling across the bedroom. He's hitting this, and ow, and then, you know, I don't think there's any profanity on AFN, but he's getting upset, and eventually he turns the light on, and that's the AFN motto. Turn the light on when you get up in the morning to avoid stumbling and hurting your toe. I'm like, that's not a real genius-like commercial. I mean, I would think the average man or woman would understand that you need to turn the light on, but that is the solution for our problem of pain following the light of the world, Jesus Christ. It is no coincidence if you have a university seal or some sort of monogram that wisdom is symbolized by a light, a lamp, a torch. Education often is revealed to you as that enlightenment. Nor is it a coincidence that children want the light on or a nightlight so they're not afraid of the darkness. Nor is it a coincidence that the shadowy darkness of the cross could not extinguish the light of my Savior Jesus. Jesus tells those of us who will listen, I am the light of the world. I am the solution to your pain. Oh yes, you will still experience pain, but I am the way through the pain. What's the psalmist write? Thy word would be a light unto my path. I think I learned that in vacation Bible school. That light brings you through to his glory. I stumbled on a illustration this week, and that will be my way to kind of sum it up before we get ready to share uh, the Lord's Supper. And I st- Wanted to change this lady's name, but those of you who know me, I, if I find an illustration, I like to run it to ground. That it is true. It is not a, this is not a preacher tale. And forgive me, I cannot pronounce her last name. Paskuski. Uh, that's the closest I get. Her name, first name is Sarah. Sarah, uh, Long Island, New York. And uh, she, this has been in the news, this is 2021 when the story came from. She got an anonymous letter in the mail in February that this person was complaining, obviously a neighbor, that someone was complaining she still had her Christmas lights up. Would you please take the lights down? It is almost Valentine's Day. Now, let me stop right there. How many of you leave your lights up year-round? I mean, save some time. No, okay, good. Oh, there's one. Okay, okay. There's nothing wrong with that because as you will see, Sarah... (sighs) She was upset by that letter, and she said I would be upset any time. But as she posted this in her Long Island Mom's Facebook discussion group, she said the reason that I'm more upset this time is because my father had hung those lights in November of 2020. And my father, in the months prior to that letter, had died due to COVID. And my aunt died due to COVID. So in between the time of November to February, in those four months, she lost both her father and her aunt. And by posting it on her Facebook page, she was hoping one of her neighbors would see it, feel a little bit of guilt, you know, kind of lay off her for a second. But it had an even bigger impact because then people started a GoFundMe page because her father helped pay the mortgage. They they gave her meals. They, They sent her gift cards. And her neighbors who did read it got their lights out of the attic or out of the garage and started rehanging their lights to where they could stand together in unison as the light of the world for one person that was reflecting the light of the season of Christmas and the joy that Christ brought to her life. The light of the world is the solution to our pain. And the light of the world is amazing. Those verses that we sung today speak to me each time because I can relate so well. I pray that you too will sing out amazing grace today. Stand with me, please, we pray. Lord, as we come now to a time of invitation, perhaps there's someone here who has never experienced that light. They've never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, as they ponder the problems and Pain that they have had in this world by accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior, it won't make all the pain and suffering go away, but it sure will under- help them understand and see a pathway through this darkness to the light of your Son Jesus. Lord, if there's someone here who's never accepted Christ, I pray that this would be the day in which they choose to follow Him. If there's someone here, Lord, who just needs to come to these steps and pray, or perhaps ask for some support in prayer. We have prayer warriors who will come and join them. Lord, whatever decision there is to be made, I pray in the beginning of this new year, we would start off in unison with you, saying, I want to spread the light of the world. Be a reflector of the love of Jesus, of that amazing grace. For we pray in Jesus' name.